Welcome to China Tech Talk, the almost weekly discussion of technology and startups here in China. I am John Artman, editor in chief of TechNode.com, joined as always by Matthew Brennan, founder of China Channel. So last week we、uh, covered quite a lot, actually.、Um, you know, all the way from、uh, tensions between、uh, China and the U.S.、Uh, and how that's affecting technology, artificial intelligence, bike dance, crypto, and bike rentals, and the 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 imminent or already happening collapse of that whole、uh, rental economy,、uh, and so this episode where we have、uh, five more topics that that we'll be looking at,、um, and and yeah, just a review and kind of also a bit of of predictions、um, as well,、uh, and so I think that that. This year has been super interesting. I mean, obviously for a lot of different reasons, but one of the one of the big ones is、uh, what's happened with with Tencent,、um, and in and in particular with、uh, with gaming gaming regulations.、Um, so Tencent, I mean, their stock hasn't been doing so well this year.、Uh, part of it is, of course, again the overall、uh, situation of of a, of a bear market,、uh, but then also you know they they just they haven't <laughs> since since March they haven't been able to、uh, add any monetization options. Uh, into 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 any of their games、uh, in that are, that are actually being、uh, played here in China、um, because the government w- won't give them the、uh, the approval for it. Yeah. So the the dynamics here is that the share price for for Tencent during 2017、uh, more than doubled. It was going very very well, and then pretty much as soon as we entered 2018, it started collapsing. And yeah, the big reason for that was、uh, is gaming. Yeah, it's gaming regulation, without a doubt. That's by far the biggest reason.、Um, so you're you're totally right, John. Monetization is the issue.、Uh, they've just seem just suspended these these gaming license these monetization licenses, and.、Um, Ten cents in a situation where they can't、uh, monetize their most popular games, and so they're sitting on these titles.、Uh, the PUBG Mobile titles in mainland China are currently the hottest, still、uh, as of recording this, the hottest games、uh, with the most interest and the, and the most、uh, potential for monetization, and、uh, they're they're making absolutely nothing from them. So、um, and they've actually had to pay licensing fees for those、uh, from Bluehole, which is South Korean company. Um, it's not, yeah. It's it's a terrible situation for them, and it seems very opaque. We don't get any answers uh, clearly uh, from the government or from Tencent higher management as to when this situation will be resolved.、Uh, I'm confident it will be resolved, but.、Um, Actually, at some point next year. So, getting a prediction out there earlier,、uh, early in the episode, rather.、Um, my prediction for 2019 is that this will be resolved at some point.、Uh, that we'll see uh, that uh, the monetization licenses will begin to be issued again,、um, and that, that the situation will return to semi-normal、uh, or normal、uh, before this whole thing blew up. But、um, we are likely to see、um, that there's there'll be more restrictions on、uh, gaming for minors.、Uh, it's clear that the real reason why this has、uh, happened is because there is a misalignment of incentives between the government and and the gaming industry in China, where the Chinese government in general does not view this as a valuable、uh, industry for society. That young people are. 
becoming addicted to games that they're uh this is not productive use of time and they are kind of um throwing their weight around as it were to let uh, to let the industry know that they're in charge and uh, they need to self-regulate more uh, that they need to be more serious about the negative effects to society and to the youth um, of what they're doing with creating these really addictive games yeah and this is this is what's always really interesting um, about the the regulatory environment in China. Um, you know we talked with Kaiser Guo about this uh, in 2017, I believe my sense of time is, is kind of kind of messed up. Um, but at the time you know the people's the people's daily was really laying into uh, honor of Kings and honor of Kings was uh, a cash cow for for ten cent. So a really a really well designed game and and very very popular, which they've since also tried to uh, try to export. I think to to middling success, not certainly not not as successful uh, as as it's been here here in China. Um, but but there's there's th- like the regulatory environment in China is such that the Communist Party um, and the government apparatus they 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 feel like they have a moral obligation um, to. To, to protect the youth let's let's call it um, to make sure I mean like in China there's been a problem a perceived problem around gaming addiction for an internet addiction for for many many years uh, while you know psychologists and scientists outside of China they wouldn't call they, they, they from from their perspective you know it's not part of the DSM uh, there is no such no such clinical thing uh, as internet internet addiction or gaming addiction um, however in China this has become a bit of a problem where, uh, kids will uh, become alienated from their families, and uh, they will spend uh, hours, if not days, at these uh, internet cafes uh, playing games. Um, and and now, of course, that's that that's on mobile as well. And so, uh, so when it, when it comes to the government, they they have a moral. They feel like they have a moral responsibility to come in and and, and regulate these things uh, because they need to make sure that that kids are. I mean, basically doing their homework uh, instead of um, instead of uh, playing playing these games. Uh, now, what's what's really kind of funny is some of the excuses they've used for this. And so, one of the most recent ones was, you know, this national campaign against myopia. Um, and again. This is this is where Chinese science is kind of different <laughs> from 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 science in the rest of the world. I mean, so if you look if you look at research into myopia outside of China, it's very very clear that if you spend more time indoors, you're going to um, you're you're more likely to develop uh, uh, nearsightedness. Uh, and so in China, of course, in a lot of Asian countries, East Asian countries in, in particular, you have high rates of myopia. So non genetic. Uh, uh, nearsightedness and so uh, nearsightedness that has actually developed uh, over time and a lot of it is because these kids are spending so much time inside they're they're, they're in, either in school or they're at home uh, doing their homework or in China in particular they are you know in in a class uh, in some kind of structured structured time that their parents paid for whether it's piano or dance or, or taekwondo or, or whatever um, and a lot of it's about part of it's about enrichment but also a lot of it's about staying competitive and making sure that when it's time they can get into a good high school they can get into a good university and so on and so on um, so, and, and Tencent has been been part of this anti-myopia campaign, and the way that they've dealt with it is by imposing um, time limits on, on on their games. And and you know this is this is what's you know kind of Orwellian about it all is that the way that they've implemented that is through facial recognition. 
uh, and the facial recognition is tied to uh, you know databases controlled by the Public Security Bureau, uh, basically the, the the police here here in China. Um, and so, you know, what what again, what they've done in order to do this is is quite fascinating. But of course, it's going to have a huge impact on 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 their bottom line. I mean, the DAUs are going to uh, I mean, if they haven't already, they're going to they're going to plummet. Um, and, you know, I do have to wonder, you know, you know what what their plan is for games, um, certainly with their their recent announcement. Um, well, I say recent, but it was uh, in October about their restructuring. They're obviously very they, they recognize that, you know, these game regulations are a huge threat to their business and they are trying trying to pivot. Um, but what do you th- what do you think? I mean, like, Matt, what do you think they're going to do with their with their gaming unit? Um, like I said, I don't think it's that as bad as you're you're making out. Um, the. Gaming, the actual numbers, the the DIU, MAU numbers on on their games, uh, despite the fact they can't monetize them, they're as popular as ever, right? Like there's actually Chinese um, young people um, are, you know, like playing games and that's not going to (laughs) change. And uh, the quality of the games is going to keep improving. And uh, Tencent's place with relative to other companies in the gaming industry in China is is not diminished uh, in terms of market share. Um, So it's a question of uh, really it's just a regulation issue. Um, The actual dynamics of the industry, the fundamentals behind the industry are are really strong. and then you look at things like esports as well, which has got a very bright f- future as well. So, and uh, and monetizing the IP of these games is going to become more and more lucrative over time. So uh, and th- and that leads into the whole uh, sort of content pan entertainment ecosystem, which uh, Tencent also is pretty strong in. So it's not. Um, I don't think it's as woeful as as, uh, as some people are making out. Um, but the, the real question is, you know, what's the what kind of new regulation? if any will come out uh, in 2019 and um, actually from from uh, from youths from like uh, teenagers uh, but you know the the type of people that uh, when we're talking about myopia for example uh, that government's really concerned kids uh, you know according to uh, the statements from uh, from from Ma and the higher management, you know, they actually from from kids, they really don't make that much money at all. Um, it's uh, it, it's kind of um, it's overblown uh, that the uh, the stereotype there. Um, it's it's young adults and and people who have more disposable income who would be actually you know be the 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 whales as it were right. So in the gaming industry, it's all about getting the whales, um, you know, uh, who spend a lot of money in these games. There's no, or there's there's virtually no like ten year old or twelve year old, fourteen year old whales. Uh, they don't have the disposable income to 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 spend that money all the time, uh, in order to get to to spend that much time in the game. It's it's more. It's actually gaming is is uh, it's 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 not you know it's something that if people in their thirties do and it's it's, uh, it's people in their forties would play play these games as well so it's a it's actually an older age range than people than people think um but moving on to the restructuring point uh for tencent 
Um, that's been coming a long time, and I think it's something that Alibaba is also moving in the same direction. Um, and it's more about a general shift from consumer-facing internet into uh, what we, what Tencent's called industrial internet. And that is all about um, the next 10 years um, of this. You know, the high growth in mobile has is, is slowed down now, um, and it's mature and it's competitive, and and there's less less and less opportunities there. Uh, but with uh, industries like healthcare, education, uh, government services, um, you know, these are still at a very early stage of digitalization and with the application of cloud, big data, AI, and later on, hopefully, uh, AR, VR, uh, when, when, that, when that's ready, um, you know, and, and, and blockchain and all these different technologies that are, uh, you know, that are emerging, um, there's, there's huge potential for, for this to revolutionize um, all these different vertical industries. So that's that's the opportunity that all the big players are looking at and thinking in where the, the growth will lie in the next decade. Um, and I think it's it's difficult to deny that 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 will be the case. Uh, that but it will be a, a slow you know it won't be a sudden transition. Um, it will be a slower transition. It's more a B two B industry rather than a, a consumer facing one. So perhaps you know in the next few years of doing this podcast, for example, um, there will be a, a lot of change in that area. But it will be change that won't that B two B change. You know it's less obvious to society that this change is happening because it's sort of behind closed doors right it's a sort of industry change supply chain change you know it's not it's not so sexy it's not so interesting um as, as something like you know I, I don't know what what, what bike dance is doing now with you know with with douyin where you can actually use it and and you can become a it, it can actually change your life uh, you know you can suddenly change your consumption habits of of, of content so uh, it's something that's easy to understand and, and can actually affect you directly, um, whereas reorganizing a supply chain uh, within, uh, you know, uh, retail industry, um, the only thing you might notice is that the the uh, the product gets to you slightly faster and uh, maybe it's slightly cheaper, right? But uh, but actually, it's a huge change, right? So <laughs> there's been a lot of techn- technological change in the back, uh, and maybe uh, there's been a lot of a lot of optimization of uh, of of processes and jobs, which has led to um, uh, great efficiency gains, um, and, and you see those videos of warehouses filled with robots, and and it looks really cool, and 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 you and you might hear the occasional story about how you know JD's got this completely automated warehouse, or or Alibaba's doing this and that. Um, but it doesn't touch our lives as directly, but it is a very important change and it's and it can be quite lucrative as well for these companies to 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 move into those areas. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot there. I think I think the the big the big thing for me when it comes to ten cents restructuring, um, I mean my 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 first reaction was, wow, this is a bit late um, to be to be to be. To, to be restructuring in, in in this in this way or to be focusing on on enterprise services um, as much as much as they are they are saying that they're going to do uh, and it, mostly because Alibaba has been in this space for for quite some time already 
um, and they've they've already really targeted uh, the enterprise space, in particular with their their cloud services, Aliyun, for example. Um, and Tencent has their own cloud services as well. Uh, and so, you know, making you know restructuring to emphasize the cloud services isn't uh, any isn't like you know oh they're they're kind of pulling it out out of thin air, um, but. Um, but I think that I think that the, the real issue is is that is that can they make up for lost time in 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 this area? Um, is is Alibaba uh, too far ahead? Um, and and is Tencent's competency in? I mean, can they do enterprise? You know, because I think like Alibaba, if you think about it, uh, they've been doing they they've been doing marketplace e-commerce, and so marketplace e-commerce means that they have to build tools uh, for merchants, um, for merchants, for people who run their small businesses, and so they already have this kind of competency. Uh, they, they even have their own um, messaging uh, app, uh, Ding Ding or, or Ding Talk, which is specifically targeting uh, the, the, the enterprise uh, messaging market. Uh, WeChat has uh, WeChat for work. Um, I don't know anyone that actually uses it, so I haven't, I haven't heard, I haven't gotten any, any feedback. Um, but I think, again, I mean, the, the biggest issue when it comes to restructuring is just does, does Tencent have the competency um, and, and can they actually uh, build up into that? Um, I mean, Matt, do you, I mean, what, what's what's going on with WeChat for work? Do you know? Um, WeChat for work is number two player in the market. Uh, I think it is. Uh, it's doing okay. It's doing okay. It's definitely got uh, ground to make up on uh, on Ding Talk, but it's still early days for enterprise messaging, really. Uh, and we've, um, I don't have numbers off the top of my head for it. I do have a number off the top of my head for cloud revenue. So um, in the last earnings call, Tencent let us know that this year they've earned six billion RMB from cloud services, and we can compare that directly with Alibaba Cloud uh, or Ali Cloud rather, um, which was fourteen point seven. So they're about 40% of revenues uh, for 2018 compared to Ali. So they are definitely behind, of course, but uh, it's it's not as big a difference as as, uh, as people expected, uh, at least in revenue, So which is a pretty good indicator, I think. So, um, yeah, unsurprising that um, they've got ground to make up, um, but... It's uh, cloud. It's cloud right now is is important. It's a it's a proven business model with with B two B industrial internet. Uh, I I think the restructuring just uh, um, it's just a, a clear turning point. A clear, uh, especially with everything that's happened with the share price as well. Um, that it was a, a point to you know rally the troops around and say okay look there's a clearly this change and we are moving forward in a new direction and with with the gaming regulation as well it's kind of all these things combined and so it created a very nice narrative uh, for media to get a hold of and for people to talk about and 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 analyze um but uh, this change has been clear for quite some time. Like, uh, if you look back on any kind of presentation that Pony Mars given in the last year and a half, nearly all of it is uh, uh, industrial internet related. So, and when you some quotes from their uh, internal staff meetings that leaked uh, uh, over a year ago now, you know, they were talking about restructuring. Then they were saying, you know, we need to do better at B two B. We need to change our company culture. So it's quite clear that you know this. This has been uh, a long time coming. It's well over a year that they've been planning this. Um, it's just uh, that publicly, you know, the, the reorganization in terms of merging units is is, is definitely a big deal, um, and it's uh, something that uh, I, I think is is 
is a good move like it makes sense what they did um but it's uh it, it makes it seem like this is something that just popped up recently when it, that's yeah, really definitely, not the case definitely i mean an, an announcement is just is just making making it public um it's not it's not saying oh we're just now doing this um and i think that would that would be that would be um quite quite silly in fact um but you know, kind of speaking of speaking of uh, Tencent and and Alibaba, uh, of course, one of one of the bigger the bigger stories has to do with uh, uh, let, let, let's say companies in their in their ecosystem. Um, in particular, the um, Ulama uh, acquisition, as well as the uh, the Meituan um, IPO. Um, and so, so Alibaba has gone all in uh, on on delivery, uh, and not and not just that. They also they they uh, Ulama. So they 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 so they bought uh, the uh, majority stake in uh, in Ulama, and they also uh, bought the majority stake in Baidu uh, Waimai, which was uh, Baidu's uh, delivery platform. And they've since rebranded it as. Um, let me see if I can remember. It's called it's called Ulama. Xing Xuan, and so it's a it's a it's a play on words. Um, usually, Qing Xuan means like uh, like a premium, basically, and in this case, it's Xing, which means um, and I'm probably doing the tones wrong, so please leave me alone about that. Um, and it, which is star, and so it's like it's like supposed to be you know like the starry choice or whatever. So basically, uh, Baidu Wai Mai has become the place where if you if you want like premium food delivery services from uh, premium um, premium restaurants, that's where to do it. I, I haven't actually used the app yet, and now now that I'm. Not, not now that I'm talking about it, I'm kind of wondering why I haven't. Uh, basically, it's just just uh, just habit. Um, but uh, but definitely, I mean, so where Ulama has, I mean, so Alibaba has gone all in on delivery. Uh, they 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 own most of most of the company, um, and so I think that that the, the delivery space is really is really kind of interesting because it's really now just Meituan and Ulama, which is of course a proxy for uh, Alibaba and Tencent. Ulama Xingquan. I think is yep. the one. I, I just looked it up. Yeah. Okay. So Xingquan. Um, yeah, you're right. It's it's become a duopoly now, right? It's the, the the market's become fully consolidated into two players. Uh, very interesting dynamic here. Maytrans just IPO'd. Um, done okay with the IPO. Share prices dropped since, but I think broadly, I think we can say it's a success. Um, Took on Mobike as we covered in the last episode, and uh, Erlamar, yeah, consolidated by the Waimai and also Kobe um, into Ali. And and you're right, like Ali's like made it very clear that we need to win this market. I think they described it as a mu- local services is a must win for them, and uh, and so that's why I've been paying uh, a bit more attention to Meituan recently. That's uh, I think combination of all these factors. And also it's very nice to sort of finally hear Wan Sing, you know, publicly give uh, earnings calls and talk and after field questions publicly uh, about his his company. Um, so I have a lot of respect for Wan Sing. I think he's like a very, uh, one of the top entrepreneurs in China. Um, so uh, yeah, some some things that came out, you know, uh, basically overall, uh, Meituan Dianping is, is definitely leading this market uh, in terms of market share quite considerably uh, compared to Alibaba. Alibaba's burning a lot of money uh, from the summer. They've made it clear that they're going to, you know, they've made these announcements. This is a must-win market for us. Uh, they're subsidizing it uh, three times. They're spending more three times more on subsidies than Meituan Dianping is. Um, Meituan Dianping seems to be uh, keeping market share 
um, but uh, they're losing money. Uh, and part, But according to them, their core food delivery business is close to profitable. Um, the money is mostly being lost in other areas, um, which one of which would be Mobike, right, would be a big one. Um, but also ride hailing that they moved into. And we did cover that on an episode uh, a while back, the ride hailing with, because um, uh, uh, Meituan Dinping moved into ride hailing suddenly and, and did take considerable market share um, in markets of Nanjing uh, and I think Shanghai. Um, but they've that's called off and they've, they're have they putting that on hold right now. So their, their ambitions to move into ride hailing seem to be on hold. Um, and that's probably because they're, they're really fighting right now. You know, there is an, it's still an intense battle about food delivery in China. And uh, if you're living in China, you know, you can still get pretty distant. You can still get a lot of discounts. Uh, it's good for the consumer. Uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of coupons to be had, uh, a lot of subsidies to be had with, with Erlemar and, and with uh, May Twenty and Ping still, um, and so the question really is: is is you know long term can either of these players really yeah, make I mean, a profit? That, that, that that is the question, and of course the the cost of um, of delivery. So literally just paying uh, the delivery drivers has 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 gone up, and this is this is true uh, across the logistics industry. Uh, costs are are increasing, um, and so what you know how how the delivery companies actually end up dealing with this, I think, is going to be very interesting to watch. Um, you know, already we see uh, a lot of different um, solutions to that on, on on the logistics side, at least, where you know the the, the smart lockers. Um, there are places. I mean, it, they're making it much easier for you just to go pick it up from a distribution center rather than having it delivered straight to your door. Uh, that's happened uh, recently to me uh, several times unexpectedly and, and qu- quite annoyingly, to be honest. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, looking looking at the delivery market, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing just to see how far it actually has come. I remember first seeing Olama, uh, uh bikes back in, oh my gosh, 2013? Maybe 20, 2014. Um, it, I used to park my bike at Genway Soho, and for whatever reason, delivery drivers pike parked their bikes at Genway Soho. And there was this whole thing of, you know, if you're hungry, call call Olama. Um, and and I remember at the time being like, what the hell is this company? This is never going to work, and, and so on and so on. And of course, I, I was proven completely wrong. Um, but I mean, the, the 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 delivery market itself, I, I feel like it, it's still kind of kind of i mean it was so it's it's a lot more mature uh than 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 it, than it what than it was um in terms of user habits it's become you know i mean just normal uh for people to to order food uh for delivery all the time um and and as you said i mean it's providing a lot of value to the consumer i mean i remember you know uh before these uh, delivery platforms really took off, I mean, you ha- you would have to rely on the store themselves uh, delivering uh, the food items. And then there were in Beijing in particular, there were a few um, expat focused uh, delivery companies, uh, Jin Shusong and um, and Sherpas, uh, which are still around. Um, but they, they, they weren't that reliable. Uh, they were a bit expensive. Um, and, you know, half the time your food, your food came cold. Uh, whereas, whereas these days it's very normal um, and it's very, it's extremely convenient. Uh, both Olama and Meituan have an option. Um, they have, they call, they both call it different things, but the option is basically you pay uh, 10% of the, um, or is it 1%? Let me think about this for a second. You pay 1% of, of the, of the, the total, uh, the total bill size, the, the total amount, uh, to make sure that, that it actually de- is delivered on time. 
Uh, and the way they do that is if it's if it's over, I, I think it starts if it's over 15 minutes, then 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 you're eligible to claim back uh, up to half of the total order, uh, the the monetary value of, of the total order. If it's more than 30 minutes, it's like 75 percent. If it's more than 45, you can you can you're eligible to claim um, 100 minute 100 uh, percent. Um, I, I, I use it all the time. I mean, because it's great. Just, just, it's just that that extra layer of insurance to make sure that the food is delivered uh, when, when in a reasonable amount of time. Still, it can still take too long sometimes. Um, but what's interesting is basically, I mean, it's 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 a negative incentive for uh, for drivers because if, if 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 they deliver late, then it's coming out of out of their uh, commission for for the delivery. Um, so, so I mean, again, on the one hand, it is it's great, but on the other hand, I mean, I think that the, the way they manage the, the the drivers and the the incentive structures that they use are could still definitely use some um, use some tweaking to to make it more more equitable, if, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, yeah, uh, it does make sense. The the costs are going to be rising for those drivers for sure. Uh, and when, but it's interesting that the points she made uh, actually broadly support what Wang Xing was saying um, on the on on the earning on their first earnings calls uh, in regard to this this core question of how can you make profit in a market where um, subsidies seem to be so prevalent and you're up against a player with deeper pockets than you. Um, you know, he said, "Well, broadly, you know, for food delivery, people are not going to stop eating, uh, <laughs> and the user habit of delivering food has become ingrained. It's become exactly. a part of daily life, as you just mentioned, right? So, actually, these two dynamics are very, very positive for the for the industry, um, in that they should be able to raise prices over time and still keep people, um, still keep very, very high." usage um, of their services and um, they're also Meituan has uh, the most lucrative part of their business model is actually hotels um, and travel industry which they um they basically leverage the traffic that they've built over food delivery into selling other services. And the big one is actually hotel bookings, uh, where they've managed to become the largest hotel booking service in China, which is quite incredible to think of, uh, considering that this area has been dominated by C-Trip, um, who we've had on the podcast before, and, and uh, Chunar, which they've acquired, which we also had Fritz on the podcast before. So we've covered the travel industry quite a bit um, in the past year uh, on China. The tech talk and uh but the biggest player in, in hotel bookings has suddenly you know in, in over the recent history has become meituan dmping um so they they it's not just food delivery for their for their business by any means uh, they really are a, a, you know a life services platform um and and you know you can find all different kinds of uh, of of local services on there so you know this this is beyond food chain another aspect is that they're moving deeper into the supply chain and actually offering services to restaurants and so if you go to restaurants in china you'll find that meituan dmping uh, often is uh, providing the software systems that those would those restaurants will be using for bookings and taking orders um, or even for accepting mobile payments uh, the little machines that are used to scan the qr codes now in many restaurants um, are being provided directly by by meituan ping and Erlemar. 
Uh, and then they've got, you know, later on that they've got opportunity to move into sort of uh, deeper into supply chain of providing the actual ingredients uh, to the restaurants uh, and then, you know, using technologies like blockchain to track that supply chain, uh, you know, using leveraging their big data, which they have from the platform to predict what restaurants will need, uh, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there's all these optimizations and efficiencies that can be gained from the scale uh, that they have and then from the leverage that they have from owning the customer touch point. So they've, you know, that that's what they're talking about as the future for 2019. That's what they're looking at. Uh, and I think Alibaba would be quite similar um, in terms of, you know, they've they're always about you know leveraging data personalization of the customer experience is what alibaba is talking about these days right um the, 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 you know for them it's quite obvious you know if you're you, when you go into alibaba apps um it's usually to make some kind of purchase and so having the big data there and the ai to optimize that interface now when you go into taobao for example uh, they made a big deal out of it on their last earnings call for for, for alibaba was uh, how taobao is completely personal personalized now right the front page that you and i see will be totally different uh, between two consumers that buy different things so that's how ai is kind of lever- you know up- revolutionizing their industry in that like um for e-commerce marketplaces, um, it's got a big value add in terms of uh, predicting what you're going to buy and, and pushing those products to you, which will, uh, you know, have a big impact on the on the sort of marginal revenue that they can get from each consumer. Yeah, um, and yeah, I mean, and again, I mean, I, I come at it much, much, much from a, from a user perspective um, because I use I use Meituan and Ulama uh, kind of on and off. I, I I'm 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 a bit agnostic, and I I, I use them. Uh, differently on purpose because I because I don't I don't want I don't want either of them to win, um, but um, but I mean like but <laughs> but honestly like Dian, Dian Ping I mean like Dian Ping has been amazing as a consumer it's absolutely amazing um, you know it's, so it's not just delivery as you said it's also it's also like booking a table uh, you know at Chinese restaurants it used to be you know the huge a huge pain in the ass you call them. You say, do you have a table? They say, uh, maybe, maybe not. You know, and then this is whole, this is whole back and forth, and so on and so on. Uh, whereas on on Dianping, you can just go go to the restaurant uh, listing in the app. If if they if, if they take if they take reservations, it'll show it right there. Um, and then you can just make a reservation. Or if they don't take reservations, then you can get uh, a number. Like so, let's say it's a really it's really. Um, popular place uh, you can actually get a number from from Meituan or from Dianping uh, before you even get there and so you can kind of wait wait in a virtual line and then show up um, you know when it's when it's almost time for for you to get a table um, so yeah I mean I think that 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 Dianping in particular has been uh, amazing uh, for consumers in China in a, in, a, in a lot of um, different ways um, but yeah, that's a great point, John, actually. I want to just expand upon that, you know, the lack of waiting. I, I find myself um, when I'm in China that uh, I, I've really got a low tolerance for waiting now uh, when it comes to these things. I think that's really been built up by this O2O revolution that's happened over the last couple of years where um, if you're going to go from A to B, you're probably going to get a DD and you can time that from your phone so that you don't need to wait. 
Um, if you're going to book a restaurant, you'll do it through May 20 and Ping. And again, if you know what you're doing, you can time it so you can just arrive at the restaurant and go straight in. Um, we were when we were talking to Walmart uh, from Ted from Walmart uh, just a, a few episodes ago from the TechCrunch uh, conference. You know, he was saying that the the reason that Scan and Go became so popular is because Chinese consumers weren't willing to wait; uh, like they just wanted to scan the products as they were going around the supermarket and check out immediately. Um, and so I think this is a real value that mobile lifestyle has brought to China. Um, it's a real efficiency in the economy that we see that right. t- basically time is money, right? You need to, you forget this, but time is money, right? It really is. And so if you're saving time, you're saving money. And Chinese consumers uh, don't want to wait now. Uh, they don't want to queue. They want to save time. And this is possible through the integration of online and offline. So it's a real value that, and, and it's a, actually becoming a, a difference uh, between well, at least for me, uh, I, don't, I don't know uh, if I can truly speak for how much of this is true, but like I, I feel the difference when I'm in China to outside China. Yeah, um, and this is this is just one, just yet, yet another reason that uh, to, to never leave, right? But um, it's been great. I mean, and 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 that's the thing. I mean, like especially grocery stores. Uh, you know, if you haven't been to a Chinese grocery store, um, well, for me at least, like I haven't been to one. I can't remember the last time that I actually went to like a real Chinese grocery store, like a Walmart or, or a Carrefour or something like that. I never go because it's a pain in the ass. Um, it like it's it's like literally like a half day thing if you actually want to go uh, to these hypermarkets and buy groceries. Uh, and so instead of doing that, I, uh, I I use Jingdong Daojia, and it's amazing uh, for for the very same for the very same reasons that 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 we were talking about. But also, I mean, like waiting in line in China is awful, absolutely awful. Uh, in Chinese, uh, they have a saying: "People mountain, people see," and that's very true of most shopping experiences, uh, in particular at grocery stores. Uh, but then also for like popular. Uh, attractions and, and in this case uh, specifically restaurants I mean like Heidi Lau for example uh, always tons of people waiting uh, Toto which is another really good hot pot place try it if you haven't yet um, that's there's almost always a line uh, but with with these diff- with these small little things here and there um, the, the overall experience is much much better and you're you're you have more time to spend money uh, elsewhere but but uh, speaking of yeah, delivery totally. sorry I'm yeah, that leads into our next one. Uh, we've actually been covering it quite a bit. I think these, these two Definitely. overlap considerably, right? Um, so number three, we've got for today's episode of you know the the themes of 2018. Um, we thought we couldn't leave out Lucking Coffee, um, and Lucking Coffee really is a poster child for new retail, um, smart retail, boundless retail, whatever you want to call it. Um, and it's certainly been one of the most attractive and interesting and explosive growth stories uh, that we've seen in 2018. That's pretty hard to deny. Yeah, um, and we've yeah we've um, we've given quite a bit of airtime to Luckin. I, I think um, not as much as we've given to like Tencent or or WeChat, perhaps. But uh, they've they've definitely come up in, in a few in a few different episodes. I mean, we we devoted a whole a whole episode to them. Um, and and yeah, I mean, so this this is this is what really kind of shows to me that the delivery space is is mature. Uh, user habits are are pretty uh, ingrained. I mean, because it's 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 a pure delivery company. It's like um 
if anyone's familiar with Domino's, for example, in the States, uh, in the States, Domino's only delivers. You, 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 there's no actual sit-in portion, like, you know, like, um, similar to Papa John's as well. Papa John's only delivers. Um, Whereas, of course, in China, they both offer uh, sit, sit in. But uh, but Luckin is doing something very, very similar where most of their business is only uh, delivery. Uh, they've since kind of they've begun to open up storefronts that um, that actually do have sit down options. But even then, like the sit the sit down area is is pretty sparse and it's pretty clear that they don't want you really hanging around um, in, in direct opposition to the uh, the atmosphere that Starbucks is trying to create. And of course, their their main competitor Um but what they've been able to do is because user habits are so ingrained around delivery, uh, around mobile payments, there already is you know uh, a delivery infrastructure uh, that they can that they can use to scale on top of um, that they've been able to have this this uh, this massive amount of growth. Um, and it's always kind of funny because they tout. I mean, how many stores do they claim to have? I always forget. It's like some huge huge number. Um, but the thing is, uh, for Luckin, yeah, for Luckin. Yeah, so Luckin, uh, I think, is probably about 1,500 right now. Uh, actually, no, God, we're in December already. It's probably about 1,800 by now. I mean, their goal is 2,000 by the end of the year, right? So, And they're opening roughly about 50 stores a week, 50 to 60. Okay. Um, so, yeah, and then Starbucks has about 3,500. Mm. Yeah, so... Um so point 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 being is that I mean those numbers I mean again as as we mentioned in the, in the episode I mean so like what what they do is they have a few different types of stores um, they have kind of like the the pickup only uh, places where you can you can place your order uh, and then and then go and and get and get the coffee um, so no waiting in line or anything like that similar to what we were just uh, talking about uh, they have places where it's a bit more of a coffee shop like experience but still not very much room to sit down and hang out um, and then they have dark stores which are basically just um, just pure fulfillment, um, and where you you order order your coffee, and that's that's why, um, and that's 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 where it's coming from. Um, it could just be some random kind of kitchen in in some building, uh, and they're able to 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 make the coffee and then and then have it delivered, and so. And the numbers, the numbers themselves. I mean, it's China. We've talked about this, like with Ma Feng Wu. Uh, the numbers you can't always uh, trust. There's probably uh, they've probably been massaged uh, to a certain degree, or 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 I wouldn't say outright lying, uh, but that that might happen sometimes too. <laughs> Maybe not in the case of Luckin. I don't. I don't necessarily mean Luckin. Sure. Well, um, looking forward to 2019. Um, Luckin is going to keep uh you know at some point it's going to overtake starbucks i would say i mean um they, the two brands have different positioning uh starbucks is still premium uh they've got they, they've already taken up most of the really really prime real estate uh, in terms of spaces um in shopping malls around china um but uh luckin is 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 also gonna be pretty uh you know pretty ubiquitous uh, it already is and and um and they're gonna do take up more and more prime spots and i think that in terms of branding uh they will move closer towards the mid-ground uh, and, and get closer towards starbucks over time um and I think the question really is, is, you know, in the next year, will we see, um, is this just going to be coffee or, or are we going to see other areas um, of retail or F&B suddenly um, explode, uh, a similar, you know, take the lucky model and apply it to some other area? Uh, that would be really interesting to see. Yeah. Or is it just coffee? 
Yeah, I mean that's that, that that's a good question. I mean, we, you already have companies that uh, that are you know uh, for cakes, for example, uh, Twenty One Cake. It's a, it's a pure delivery company, but they, I mean, I think the difference is that they're they're not like you know trying to be a tech company. Also, I mean, it's you know why are we talking about Luckin uh, specifically? Is because you know they their their background, their executives' backgrounds are are, are tech, um, and they do kind of build themselves or try to try to place themselves as a as a tech company. Twenty One Cake, for example, I mean. They're just they're just uh, a cake company that 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 delivers. Um, so I, I mean, there's definitely a lot of room for it. The, the the big question is, I mean, like, what 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 product could actually do that? What what uh, customer segment is being underserved by the current delivery space? And I think that that's one of the big reasons why Luckin has been able to do what it's been able to do, and why coffee was such a smart play uh, because people are at work be com- being completely underserved uh, by the coffee delivery space before that. I mean, basically, um, there was no coffee delivery. I mean, like Starbucks never did delivery uh, until uh, until Luckin uh, came on, came onto the scene. So, uh, you know, before that there was, there was nothing. And now, now we have Luckin and if you want coffee delivered, it's you, you get, you get it within 30 minutes and it, and it's not the best coffee, uh, but you know, at the same time, you know what you're what you're paying for is convenience, not not for, you know, amazing uh, Italian uh, espresso. Um, so so I think that the the real question is just going to be like what 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 co- what what market segment is being underserved currently that could be better served uh, with with delivery. I mean, I like cake, uh, hot dogs would be great, um, but I'm I'm just kind of hungry right now. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait. And see. Um, All right. I, yeah, I don't know how to transition into mini programs. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah, okay. Um, we don't need to transition that smoothly into each one, sure. right? We just go for it. Um, so number four on our list uh, to cover, and I, I think this will be a brief one, but uh, we have to mention it um, is uh, the theme of of mini programs, um, which have for two thousand eighteen. Uh, I, I think been quite successful. Uh, certainly, there's just been uh, at the at the beginning of the year. If we go back to like January, um, there was well, I think it was actually launched in late December. But um, certainly in January time, we were talking about mini games. There was the whole phenomenon of Jump Jump, uh, which came out, and this like mini game which was embedded within WeChat became a a national phenomenon, and and people were playing. You know hundreds of millions of people were playing this game um, that quickly subsided but I think the more of the legacy of that was it just introduced the general populace to the concept of mini program and people became a lot more familiar with you know what what mini programs were and, and why they would add value and, and how to actually use them within WeChat um, and of course that was also linked into the drop down menu so uh, within WeChat on the on the sort of homepage uh, the inbox uh, there's a pull down menu where almost every other app globally uh, that's in the social space um, has integrated some form of stories, which was originally pioneered by Snapchat, right? But if you go into use something like Instagram today, uh, you'll see stories at the top of there, you know, these these circle pucks and you go in and, and then it will... It will um, 
uh, give you like brief glimpses of your of your friends' daily activity. But um, WeChat kind of took that basic user interface and then said, okay, well instead of uh, instead of that, we'll just make them apps. We'll use this as an entry point for for mini programs, and uh, it's been quite successful. I think that's one of the most uh, intuitive ways to use them and how uh, it's driven a lot of traffic um, in a in a sort of very um, in a way that uh, in terms of user experience works quite well. So um, yeah, mini programs have gone from strength to strength this year, and certainly if you look at the statistics on it, the traffic has, has grown in, incredibly. Um, and I think it's no exaggeration to say that most people um, within China are now using mini programs, um, on a, if not on a daily basis, then certainly on a, on a weekly or monthly basis. Yeah, I mean, mini programs have been great. Um, I mean, I think that it's it's. I mean, again, Dianping, for example, is probably the one that I use uh, more 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 often. Um, but then also, when I was in Shenzhen, I was using the uh, the public transportation mini app, which was amazing. Uh, basically, you know, uh, you you sign in with your with your WeChat credentials, um, and now when I go to Shenzhen, I don't need a public transportation card. I don't need to like go and make a deposit get the get the the card uh and then you know make sure that there's always money on it on it and stuff like that instead you just go to the go to the till um go to the uh the the gated the gated area of the subway or when you're getting on the bus open the mini program and have it have it scanned just right there and the money will be deducted from your from your wechat pay wham bam thank you ma'am easy peasy um it was it was so cool just to actually see that uh i think that um that beijing and shanghai are trying to implement similar things um i don't take public transportation very much so i haven't had a chance to uh, to actually look at it um but in general i mean like you know at technode we have our own mini program now which is basically uh just a mirror of our website and it makes it a lot easier for people to consume our content with in WeChat, and so rather than um, you know tapping on a URL and then and then waiting for the in-app browser to uh, to open that, you just you tap on the mini program and it's just right there. There there's there's our article, um, and so yeah, I mean mini programs. I think that at when they when they first launched, it was like okay, what exactly? What are they trying to do with this? What 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 I I think a lot of it, especially for me, was just not understanding what was kind of the the the, the purpose of it. Um, but now it's really kind of made made WeChat you know more extensible, and so there's a lot more things that you can do inside of WeChat uh, that you were not able to do otherwise. Um, and it also extends um, I think other applications. Again, like Dianping is a is a is a really good example where you can kind of go back and forth between the app on your phone in Dianping and the app and the mini app or mini program inside inside of WeChat. And so the handoff between between WeChat and Dianping um, is, is, is a lot smoother. And um, like basically you're, st- you're still kind of staying with the information that that's most relevant to you. Yeah, yeah. So exactly, people is is really adding value to people's lives, and um, the original concept that there needed to be something that wasn't a web page and wasn't an app, but had the benefits of both. Uh, that original vision has you know really become reality now. Uh, it's a difference between China and the rest of the world. Uh, you know we. We're going to see, we see more and more activity in mini programs now, and obviously mini programs outside of China they don't exist. Um, so it's yet another way that the ecosystems differentiated from the global norms, um, but in a good way. Um, it really is adding value um, to to people's uh, to people's lives. Uh, you know, going back to the Walmart conversation we had with Ted. Um, 
I mean, a couple of episodes ago, um, you know, it's a great case study uh, with Scan and Go. I mean, it really uh, to have have that you know rolled out to stores and immediately almost one third or over one third of their customers using that um, within a short, relatively short period of time um, when this project had failed. Basically, it's been already sunsetted in, in the States, right, is what he was saying. Um, because in the States, well, certainly consumers are different, but also one of the big factors is you have to do this for an app. You have to do an app download in order for it to work. So that straight away, that's really not, in my mind, that just sort of kills the whole concept. Nobody's, <laughs> nobody bothered to do that. Um, whereas in China, you know, this mini program thing makes a lot more more sense it's just it's just an app that you don't need to download it's super fast it's intuitive um so yeah really you only have to look at walmart to know like why this is working Mm. and what's the real value yeah and even then i mean like i don't i don't i mean i guess part of it is is the success of it but like i don't even see many programs like as an app you know like it doesn't it like the 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 it's it the, the experience is so seamless that it just it's just another part of wechat you know, um, yep. the really, you really don't have to do anything. I think the only issue is like discoverability. Uh, so, for example, with the uh, with the Shenzhen uh, transportation uh, mini program, I had to actually have someone send it to me. Uh, and so that I think the discoverability can can be can be a bit difficult. And especially for like us, you know, we have our own mini program. And how do we make sure that people actually are aware of it and so on? And part of it is just you got to keep pushing it to people. Um but other than that, I mean, like it's it's just all all that it's really doing is just again extending uh, the what what WeChat can can actually do, which is exactly what apps did on the iPhone and, and on and on Android. Um, so I mean, it's 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 yep. I mean, the, the meta the metaphors is is exactly the same. I would say. Um, well, looking looking forward to two thousand nineteen uh, for predictions for next year. You know, the the big question is uh, we've got all. It's not just WeChat now, right? It's Alipay, it's uh, it's it's ByteDance, um, it's Baidu, uh, it's all of the handset manufacturers. Um, everyone's piled into this. Everyone's on board now. Everybody understands it. Consumers understand it. Um, it's got traction. Uh, you know, and and so the question is, what do the other players do? Can they can they clone this? Can they clone? Well, of course they can. They are cloning it, but can they clone it successfully? Can they really? Can we see this uh, expand out into other ecosystems? You know, Baidu, Alibaba, ByteDance being the big ones, but. Um, yeah, and so they've all they've all announced their own versions, and it's still very early days for all of them. I mean, this took WeChat literally took two years to build this ecosystem, and they're WeChat, right? They're the big guys, they're the big, the the big players in in the market where everyone's spending, you know, opening this app forty times a day or whatever. Um, for even you know even a strong company like Baidu, it's 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 a much more difficult situation. Uh, also, you have to. Remember that WeChat had official accounts since 2013, so you can you can look at mini programs as an upgrade of official accounts, and in which case you know they're just amplifying that behavior that was already there. Um, in which case it's it's doubly difficult for these other players to actually move into this because they don't have that already sort of latent ecosystem to to build upon. Um, yeah. And it's the same. It's so the same thing that's, with that's uh, the question. And it's the same thing yeah. with with Alibaba as well. I mean, like they've they've tried to do uh, many programs inside of of Alipay, um, and I think I think they're they're not a failure, uh, but they're not but they're certainly not not as used as much as as WeChat. Just because I mean Alipay is. 
um, Alipay is a tool, whereas uh, WeChat is is a destination. You know, if 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 we can if we can uh, put it put it that way, uh, because people people are in and out of WeChat for a, a extreme variety of reasons every single day. I mean, WeChat has like the the highest open the highest yeah. open rate of any app in in China. Um, and whereas Alipay just just does not because you really are you're only going to use it when you need to pay for something, um, and so I mean they've they've done a done a really good job of just uh, of nailing down this nailing down this market, um, but of course they they still do have some vulnerability um, I think which kind of dovetails into uh, the last uh, topic that we wanted to discuss uh, for uh, this this final part of uh, uh, 20, 2018 in review, um, which is Bullet Messenger. Um, and I think that at the time of this recording, Bullet Messenger is not doing so well. Uh, but when it was first released, and, and neither is Smartisan uh, for that matter. Uh, but when it was released, there was a lot of there was a lot of hubbub. Uh, there was a lot of noise being made about it. Um, it seemed like I mean, it got like so much traction. Uh, you know, in days after um, after it was released, um, and it's really died down. Uh, I mean, you know, no one's no one's really talking about it anymore. I mean, do you even use Bullet Messenger anymore, Matt? No, I mean, after you can go back and listen to our episode, right? So after what happened, I, I, I didn't, I deleted it and I didn't log in anymore. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. But, so, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more about the theme of, uh, yeah, Smartisan is an interesting one, right? So, yeah, um, they're not doing so well, right? And uh, it seems they could be in a lot of trouble. Um, but it's more about the theme of uh, how, the smaller players I, I think we do see a lot of smaller players uh, come up um, in 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 the um, app economy uh, in China but it's very difficult for people to break into really break out uh, I think that um, it's becoming more and more difficult to, to uh, acquire users uh, that user acquisition costs are, are continually rising um, and that mobile saturated and so this leads into you know back into the the theme we started off with about the restructuring for Tencent and, and why are they doing this you know it this all this is all linked together they're doing this because mobile is really mature and there's there's less and less growth and it's more and more difficult to actually have an impact uh, because people have uh, you know all the holes in the ecosystem have been filled and and trying to break in and, and take on these incumbents is really really difficult yeah, but also, I mean, it, 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 to me, I mean, um, it showed it showed a vulnerability in in WeChat in the sense that you know people people like new things, um, and that's one of the big the, the big attractions in the beginning was um, Bullet Messenger was a new experience, um, and so you know if if you've been you know if you've been using the same app day in day out, I mean, yeah, sure, you rely on it. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, that's that's where your most important conversations happen. Uh, yeah, sure. That's where you get a lot of information. Uh, but at the same time, you know, this is kind of it's, it's you know, Marshall McClure's uh, um, statement. Uh, you know, the medium is is the message, I think, is kind of appropriate here in the sense that, you know, the technology, the way that, that the technology is designed is going to define or limit, uh, if you will, how it is actually experienced. Um 
and which is why, of course, user experience is so popular. Uh, but it's also going to, you know, limit uh, the types of things that that you can do. By its very design, you will be encouraged and more likely to do one thing, and uh, discouraged and or you know completely blocked from doing another thing. Uh, and so, you know, people are going to uh, they're going to want new experiences. And so, for WeChat, uh, a Bullet Messenger was not a viable competitor o- over the long run. Uh, but the amount of traction that it that it did get, I mean, I if if I was the product manager, a product manager at WeChat, I would have been very concerned. Um, and so the issue, I think, for them is really, you know, uh, yes, it is a difficult market to break into. But what if someone does try again? Uh, what are they What are they doing to make sure that um, even even if you know there's a, a viable competitor, that they're still going to maintain uh, most of most of their users? And of course, I mean, the, the obvious answer is, of course, that you know they they are a destination app, and you can do so much so much in it. It's basically an operating system. But I mean, could could another company do that? Um, maybe not. Uh, but at the same time, what if people decide to do most of their messaging on on a different app? That that could be uh, very difficult for for WeChat, obviously. Sure. Well, I think it's time to wrap this one up, John. I Let's think we've uh, we've uh, covered t- over the two episodes. We've covered ten themes, um, and we've kind of looked at predictions for next year from for most of them, if not all of them. And uh, yeah, anything you want to add at the end here, predictions wise? I think we want to look forward to 2019 really now and and see, you know, wh- where are things going to go. Yeah, I mean, so the biggest one I think uh, is the markets. Uh, we already mentioned it in the the previous episode, but the uh, the ByteDance IPO. Uh, from what I can tell, it's definitely going to happen in in 2019. Um, it's 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 hard to say where they are in the application process. Um, so you know, it takes six months or more uh, to get to get uh, IPOs and uh, you know the actual uh, filing for an IPO ready. Um, so I, I have no uh, information about where they are with that process. Um, but I mean, I, they're, they're probably going to wait until, or it would be smart for them to wait until, uh, until the market is a little bit less bearish. Uh, you know, there's, there's still companies IPOing these days, but it's more because if they don't do it now, then they might not actually, they might not do it in, in, uh, in recent, recent times. Um, also, you know, in, as Shai mentioned in that episode, um, you know, companies they need to make sure that they're not IPOing in the valley, and so that's that's really the big question I think for ByteDance and also for for Ant Financial um, is you know can't uh, where where and when are they going to uh, to IPO? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think given their ambitions, they have to IPO, right? So um, they, if they want to be taken, if they want to take things to the next level and be be uh, really be you know a part of the BAT. Um, they have to IPO, so it's just a matter of when. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah and you're you're totally right. I couldn't predict whether it's going to be um, Hong Kong or whether it's going to be um, Nasdaq or or whatever or, or New York because uh, again, back to political stuff. It's it's up in the air right now. It really is. Um, and then we have uh, what, what else do we have predictions? Uh, I've got down here. Luckins will overtake Starbucks in store numbers. Well, I think that's pretty. That's pretty clear. Um, will they? You know, I think it would take a lot. Uh, 2020, perhaps, before um, at least in China, um, they start to become a similar in similar in terms of uh, comparable in terms of revenue and things like that. But um, 
yeah, it's uh, you know that trend's going to play out, and uh, I guess the real question is, can, you know, as we said, is it going to be more than coffee? Will we see other players copy that model? Uh, very hard to predict. I don't know. So yeah, I think uh, I think Matt, we're going to end there. Um, as as it was with uh, with last year's reviews, um, there's a lot to talk about. Um, and I think that that both of us are a bit surprised uh, by how much material we've been able to produce w- for these two episodes. Uh, but it just goes to show just how much has happened over uh, over th- this year. Um, and also, how much is going to keep happening in uh, in in 2019? And, and honestly, this is this is what I love about about what I do is is really just kind of uh, watching as this as this all unfolds um, and taking an active interest in in our world. And our world is, of course, uh, China, and uh, technology is a, is a bigger and bigger part of that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, 2019 is going to be a uh, it's, it's, yeah, and the you know, as a final note, it's yeah, a theme for 2018 has just been uh, a, a definitely an up to, uh, a significant uptick in interest about Chinese technology globally, which is great to see, and I uh, expect that to continue. Uh, through to 2019, you know we're in a nice space. Uh, this is this is definitely an expanding area of interest to more and more people around the world. And that's about all the time we have for this episode of China Tech Talk. As always, thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a review on iTunes, or you can go to Overcast or Pocket Cast and tap on that star button, and it will recommend this episode to your network. Also, we are on Shimalaya and... Uh, Spotify, so you can find us there if you haven't already. And also a quick reminder, Technode, we do uh, several newsletters every single day, including a curated summary of technology news in China, including some of the stuff from us, and a thrice-weekly newsletter looking at significant fundings over the last couple of days. You can go to technode.com newsletters to subscribe. 